What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Track Talk Pod. This is episode 15, and no, I am not Hannah, which is probably as weird for you to listen as it is for me to say, because this is Hannah's job to introduce the episodes. I don't know. I think we're on episode 15. I... I'm lost without Hannah this week, clearly, but we're going to, we're going to have fun with it. Okay. This will be a fun episode. I'm going to talk all about my trip to Coda. We pre-recorded Hannah talking about her experience in Montreal when she went for the Grand Prix last year, as well as we have a fun interview lined up with a F4 driver. So that will be at the very end of the episode. So just stay tuned for that. This episode, even though it's going to be me hosting by myself, just bear with me. I promise it'll be fun. Just know that uh, I miss Hannah as much as you do, but she is living her best life in Italy right now. So you know what? It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Just right off the bat, I want to talk about CODA, Circuit of the Americas. We were lucky enough to be invited to go down and have an experience of a lifetime to just take in the track, participate in all these super fun activities and... Unfortunately, Hannah could not come with me. I don't even know why I'm saying unfortunately. She's in Italy right now. She's fine. She's quite literally living her best life. Yes, she was missed at Coda, but I know that she is also having a great time over in Italy. So it was just me who went down to Coda and oh my God, it was a life-changing experience. I wish I could put into words how incredible that track is. I really did try to put into words. I tried to create notes of everything that happened, but it's... It, it was surreal. It was just incredibly surreal. The fact that we were even invited to go, it still blows my mind because what? Like, because we are quite literally just two girls talking track. That's all we've ever done. And just so huge, huge thank you to the people at CODA for this experience. So I'll just kind of walk you guys through what happened. Uh, I got to Austin, Texas Wednesday afternoon slash evening, and I was staying at the Marriott Collection Austin South stunning hotel by the way and it's located pretty close to the track about 10-15 minute drive so if you are going to coda for the upcoming race this year and you haven't looked into booking a hotel yet definitely check out the marriott because not only are their staff so incredible but the food is incredible the hotel room is incredible it's i'm going to use that word incredible probably a lot this episode because there's just no other word to explain my experience it's just like incredible So Wednesday was mostly for just checking in, relaxing, um, getting ready, because honestly, for me, the flight from my city to Austin was long. It was two flights. And I know Hannah's flight to our city to wherever she is in Italy was much longer. And she definitely reamed me out for it. She was like, girl, I'm on hour 24 of travel. And I'm like, you know what? We are built different. So the real fun started on Thursday. So the Marriott Collection Austin South actually put together a brunch for the creators staying in the hotel. And it was just, it was the absolutely incredible food, uh, the most incredible service. We we got to meet the chef. We got to meet just so many of the staff to help put, who helped put together this experience. And it was also a really good chance for the creators to meet. So we didn't get to meet everyone that was invited. So at that brunch, I did get to meet Elizabeth Blackstock, who has done so much in the F1 community. I think like, I recognized her voice before I recognized her because I was like, oh my God, I listened to you on the donut racing show, like donut media. So that was kind of, that was a cool moment for me. Cause I was like, I know your voice. Like I know you. Uh, I also got to meet Manvi who does a lot of work with females in motorsport. So females in motorsport, they are a volunteer run platform that just highlights and focuses on females in motorsport and like all aspects. And so Manvi is one of the volunteers and she is, she's so sweet. She was so incredible to talk to and get to know. Also at this brunch, I was able to meet the girls from the Fan Behavior Podcast, Hannah and Zoe, and they are some of the funniest people you will ever meet in your entire life. If you don't already listen to that podcast, please listen, because they are, they're they're just the best. And we also realized during this trip that Zoe is very much like me, and Hannah is very much like Hannah. So give them a listen. If you agree, let us know, because... I just think it's, you can't argue, like Hannah is Hannah and I am Zoe. Uh, After that, we were able to go to the track and just the moment of driving into Coda, like driving into Circuit of the Americas, I was like, I was speechless. Like I I had no words because like Coda, Circuit of the Americas, Coda, that's it, just Coda. Like seeing the sign, seeing the tower, seeing all of it, I was just like, this is real. This is a real experience that I, like this is, this is what's happening right now. I just, I still can't wrap my head around it. The first thing that we did was participate in a karting competition. And I have go-karted once before, a very, very small track in my city. I did it for, I think once or twice, just for like birthdays or whatever. 
And it's nothing in comparison to Coda karting. Coda karting is, it's outside. The track is long. It is so much fun. There, it's, it, it was like scary almost, but in like the most exhilarating way because you don't, you don't expect these go-karts to go as fast as they did, but they, they did. And also I was actually so frustrated at one point because I know, I know I will never know what it's like to be an F1 driver, but I will know what it's like to be in the middle of a hot lap and then have to slow down for a yellow flag. That was so frustrating. I was like, who, who has hit the barrier and why did you just ruin my qualifying time? Like I was actually so mad about it. Um, so I can like, that's probably the closest feeling I will ever get to being an F1 driver is being absolutely frustrated that my lap time was ruined. I just had to get that out there. But we were in two groups because there were a bunch of creators there. Uh, we were in two groups. So, you know, we got 10 minutes of practice time, 10 minutes of qualifying and five fastest qualifiers from each round moved on to the actual race. I was six fastest in qualifying. I will take that as a win. I think during the race, I would have cried if I actually made it through because everyone else was so much faster and they actually know what they're doing. I got in that car and I was like, well, here goes nothing. Like I just did my best. And it honestly, it was, it was so much fun. And you don't like, it's long. You, it's a long experience. Like it's not just like an oval either. You know, you do have to think about overtaking. You do have to think about like, like I mean, you're, you're approaching someone and you're like, Hey, do I want to go around the outside? Do I want to go around the inside? Like, where are they going to go? You need to anticipate where they are. So Coda Karting, that experience was 10 out of 10. Absolutely loved it. And then after Coda Karting, we had the opportunity to go to the track itself. And they had set up this whole buffet style, this like this bar set up, the Circuit of the Americas display car was there. And this was all, I wanna say it was inside one of the garages, like in the pit lane. Obviously there's no setup for a race because there was no race that weekend. So it was pretty bare except for, you know, the display car and like the tables, the food set up. And there was also an opportunity for us to go and do a hot lap. And I was like, oh my God, I get to go in a fast car and do a lap around Circuit of the Americas. Like what? Like I honestly, like I couldn't believe it. And it was, uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> it was, I didn't honestly know what to expect. I was like, well, I like roller coasters. So maybe it'll be the same. It's not the same. The car that I got into was a Lamborghini and the driver was so kind. He was like, is this your first time doing hot lap? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you're going to have fun. Don't worry. And I was like, I just, I'm putting my life in your hands right now. So just don't, just don't kill us, I guess is what it is. Like you watch Coda on TV, you watch this race every year, but you don't, un like I never understood the elevation changes in this track until I was actually in the hot lap because even just the lead up to like turn one, it is a steep incline. And I didn't realize it until I was actually in the car. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, like how, like the drivers do this? Like the drive, like the F1 drivers are actually at insane speeds going up this incline for turn one, the change in elevation is all throughout the track. And you don't see that on TV. Like you see it kind of, but being able to experience it was insane. Again, just insane. The whole experience was just absolutely insane. I was definitely scared during the hot lap. I had so much fun and I was grabbing like the, like the side of the car the entire time because I was like, I, I'm scared. Like this is, I don't, I wish, I wish I knew how fast the car was going. I was actually way too terrified to take a look at the speedometer. So I just, I just watched the road and I just took in the sights and I was like, you know what? Charles Leclerc drives us. I'm just going to take in this moment. And that's what I did. And it was, it was so much fun. After all of us went through our hot laps, we had the chance to walk the starting grid. I didn't even know that this was an opportunity we would have until one of the staff members was like, hey, the gate is open. You guys can go walk the starting grid. And we were all just like, we can go on the starting grid? Like where the cars line up? Like you're just going to let us walk out there? And they did. And it was again, so surreal. I did take a lot of photos and videos, but just being in the moment and being there I'm gonna like just cherish it for the rest of my life. Like some other creators I was really lucky to meet was Michaela from She Loves Formula One and then F1 Caroline. And those two, those two ladies are incredible. They are so fun, so friendly. Everyone was just so down to earth. And we were like, we're all there to experience the same things. We're all there to have fun, to create content. And it was incredible. So they're honestly, if you see on social media, you're gonna see a lot of crossover in videos and content for these next few weeks because we, we did all use each other for videos and 
I was like, Kate, you guys don't have a choice. I am doing a rapid fire question with all of you. And so stay tuned for that video to come out because I'm really excited. And then another podcast group that we met that, unfortunately they weren't at the brunch, but we met at the track where uh, I give an F1, the podcasters, Allison and Lynette. Honestly, the sweetest duo you will ever meet. I'm, I'm alone in this. Like I, Hannah wasn't with me. And so I was very like shy and that's honestly not really who I am a lot of the time, but I was, I was very shy and I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And so I did kind of cling to Allison and Lynette sometimes because I was like, please help me. Like, please record videos with me. Please help me out here. Like they just give off very loving vibes and I just, I love them for it. Oh, and if you saw on my social media, the shirt that said Princess George, that was Allison modeling it. And that shirt is actually available now. So definitely go check it out. I will be getting one. I'm pretty sure Hannah will also be getting one because why wouldn't you want a Princess George shirt? You know, so that's just get that. So after we spent some time at the track, after we had probably one of like the best lunch spreads in the entire world, we actually got to go over to the amphitheater and they had this whole concert set up. It was Modest Mouse and Weezer that was performing and there were food trucks and it was just such fun vibes. And this is when I realized, I was like, oh my God, Coda cares about their fans. Coda cares about the people that show up in attendance. And the other content creators, everyone I was with, they had actually all been to F1 races before. I had not. A lot of their first races was Circuit of the Americas. And they all agreed, like, it's, it is a one in a lifetime experience. It is probably one of the best races you could go if you're a first time fan, because um, it's, it's affordable compared to Miami or Vegas, but it's also so much fun. The atmosphere is just insane. You're all there for the reason. You're all there to watch the races. You don't, you don't feel like an influx of quote unquote, like influencers. You feel as though you are wanted there as a fan, as a spectator. And you know what? This trip has convinced me to go and buy tickets for Coda. So when Hannah comes back, I am going to be convincing her to buy tickets for Coda because I just feel like we can't not go at this point. Like I want Coda to be my first race experience just from the hospitality, just from how absolutely incredible these few days were in Austin. Like, and I know tickets are still available. So honestly, if you haven't got your tickets for Coda yet and you live in the States or you live in Canada, definitely think about it. Obviously it is too late to go to Montreal and Miami, but if you're Considering going to a race in the United States, choose Coda over Vegas. Vegas is an unreachable dream. It is for the sponsors. It is for the cash grab. It is for the media. It's not for the fans. Coda is for the fans. And it was so obvious that even just those few days that I was there, that they cared about the experience that they were putting on for their fans. There wasn't even a race going on. Now imagine when there is a race going on, like they care about racing is what it is. And that's what it all comes down to. And the people that show up at these races to watch also care about racing. So it's like, why would you go anywhere else? If you do get tickets for Coda, there could be a chance that you see me and Hannah there. I am going to try so hard to convince her that we need to go. I need Coda to be my first race experience. And I think Hannah, Hannah should also be there with me this time because I just, I, I, I was like lost without her. I honestly would not stop talking about her and I would not stop talking about Lance Stroll. <laughs> and I, I will admit that. I will happily admit that I would not shut up about Lance Stroll. I was the only Canadian F1 content creator that was there. And I don't know if I like felt an obligation to like talk about him or if it just naturally came out, but I would just not shut up about Lance. There was a point where we were all in the car heading back to the hotel and I just would not shut up about Lance. And I just kept explaining us like why he's one of my favorite drivers, why he's so underrated, why I love him, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, I was like, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm I'm so sorry. I cannot shut up about him. And they were all like, it's fine. Because they honestly, they hadn't really met a Lance Stroll fan as passionate as me before. And so they, I think, I think they were kind of interested. I'm not going to say that they were happy to hear me go off about uh, Lance Stroll for as long as I did. But you know what? They entertained it. And for that, I say thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Just back to Coda really quickly. We were at the track all day. It was just, it was an incredible experience. And again, I'm gonna do whatever I can to go back. And I think that a lot of the other creators I was with are also gonna be attending this race. So it would be so fun to meet up with them again. And if Hannah can come with me, I want Hannah to meet everyone. If you are going to Coda, let us know because honestly, like the more people that we know that go, the more tempted we will be to go. I wish I got to spend more time with the track. It was just an all day thing. And then my flight home was the next day. 
But that's a whole other story because my flight actually got delayed. So I did not get home until 24 hours later, which is totally fine. We're not going to get into it. And if you're wondering if I cried at the airport, yes, I did three times. But again, that's a whole other story. We're not going to get into it. We're just going to move on. And we're going to talk about the upcoming Grand Prix in Canada, in Montreal, our home and native land. And I wish Hannah was here to talk about it with me. But luckily enough, we pre-recorded Hannah's experience talking about the Montreal Grand Prix last year. So we're just gonna just slide right on into that. Okay, Hannah, tell me about Montreal, your tips and tricks. You know, unfortunately we're not going to the races, but some of our listeners are. Yes. What, um, uh, what advice do you have? I specifically had some people reach out saying that they wanted some information about Montreal. We're just gonna go through like the entire weekend because I have some tips and tricks, but like, honestly, they'll come up as I'm like telling about our weekend. When you get off the plane, there's gonna be a lineup to grab a cab that is probably 500 people long. It goes really fast. Like we stood in that line for maybe 15 minutes and there were cabs just like coming through like crazy. Like you will grab a cab in no in, in no time. The reason I say to grab a cab is because the Ubers from the airport were upwards of $130 for a 15 minute ride. Yeah. So there's two mistakes that we made here. One was not staying closer to the track. We were staying across the river in a little area called Brossard. So it really actually wasn't that far from downtown or from the track, but Ubers during that weekend are astronomical. So honestly, for what we saved on a hotel further away from the track, we honestly just spent in Ubers to and from downtown. Mm -hmm. So if I had to do it differently, I would get a hotel either closer to downtown or closer to the track. Anyways, our first our first night was was just like we were delayed. We had no food. It was a Thursday. <laughs> it or? was a Thursday night. We went on uh, on the Thursday. Our plane was entirely F one fans. Um, it was so fun because honestly, we were on the tarmac for so long that like people just started kind of like partying on the plane, and it was super fun. But I still wanted to get off of it. I was super hungry. I don't know if it was just where we were staying, but. My Uber Eats, my DoorDash, and my Skip the Dishes, there was nothing available past like 11 p.m., which was very weird for me. So I made Cam go down to the lobby and buy snacks because I actually was going to kill him if I didn't eat something that night. Um, But anyways, so that was our first evening. We got up really early the next day and we were like, we have to get dressed and we're going downtown. So I had done some research ahead of time and seen that there were lots of like street parties going on on St. Catharines, which St. Catharines is like kind of their main street in Montreal. Like it's super long, but it's like the heart of downtown. And there was so many street parties going on. One of my first interactions with Emma was I I posted a picture at a Ferrari street party, but I was drinking a Red Bull because we got in so late the night before. I was so exhausted. And she commented, what kind of Ferrari fan is drinking a Red Bull at a street party? And I was like, well, one that got in super late. (laughs) Yeah, that had to be like one of the first messages I ever sent you. Yes, absolutely it was. That street party was so fun. There's like replica cars, there's like fan zones, everyone's like giving out like free products. F1 partners with a lot of non-alcoholic beer brands. Mm -hmm. So there was like so many non-alcoholic beer brands are just trying to like throw them at you and we're like, maybe we want an alcoholic one. So we actually did pay for beer and Heineken is a big sponsor Mm -hmm. of F1. So they were everywhere, honestly. The drinks were not that expensive and I'm, they were like eight bucks for a beer, but like if you that's to, not that bad compared to like hockey games yeah. that I'll go to in the city here. I would recommend to have cash on you too, because you could use the card readers, but cash is just faster. Hit up those street parties. There's bands. Um, Cam actually was given the opportunity to use the pit stop gun. No I don't way. know what you call it, but yeah. to change a tire. No way. Yeah. So they like give you the tire. They like put it on for you. You use like the, the tool, you put it on and you take it off. It was really cool. How come you didn't do it? Um, I was too scared. I'm also like, don't think I could hold the tire. <laughs> Fair enough. So that was super fun. We were walking around those street parties pretty much all afternoon and it was hot. It was an all day thing. There was merch shops all over St. Catharines. And like, if you miss one, like you don't have to worry about like going back to it. There are so many more. I will say the merchandise is ridiculously expensive. That is not the first we've heard this. They no. jack up the price of that during Grand Prix weekend. Cam was looking to buy a hat and it was like $95 Canadian. Because I'm prepared. I had made myself a Ferrari sweater before I left. I had purchased a Ferrari jacket and a shirt for Cam. And I had bought a hat on Amazon. And honestly, all of those items would have cost the equivalent of like both of us buying a t-shirt at the merch shops there. So I wanted to get something there as like a, just like I was in Montreal, but I didn't get anything from the merch shops. I got stuff from the track store. So like 
we'll get, I'll get to the track in a second. So you get to see like lots of replica cars. We went to an Aston Martin street party where they were giving out, they were doing, um, it was for Peroni, I think. Okay. And it was super cool. They had like Seb's old car in. How is this the first I'm hearing of this? Like you didn't tell me any of this. Well, I know I'm just kind of been saving it. So yeah, they had like Seb's old car in the place and there's like music playing and there's people serving you drinks. And honestly, it was just really fun. So that was a full day. And then we did old Montreal, which is like, honestly, like a European city. You don't speak French. Does, no. Does Cam? No. Were you guys fine? Yeah, we were literally fine. Okay. Um, I have heard like before we went, I was a little worried about it because people do say that people in Montreal kind of have an attitude when you try to speak to them in English. I think that everyone was on their best behavior knowing it was Grand Prix weekend. Makes sense. Everyone spoke English. We just asked them like in French if they spoke English. The only issue we had was with one police officer who only spoke French when we were trying to catch the train back to our hotel. Mm. Um, But I'll get to that in a sec. But yeah, old Montreal, I highly, highly, highly recommend. It is like an old European town in the middle of like an urban city. It's cobblestone streets and old buildings. It was so beautiful. And the restaurants along it were so amazing. We ended up eating at an Italian place and their pasta was just out of this world. Also it being a home race for Lance, there was lots of Lance Stroll merch, Makes sense. I will say. Not one Nicholas Latifi thing. And he was on the grid last year. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about him. He was our other resident okay, Canadian at the time. Okay, but he's from Quebec. He, yes, yeah. Whereas Latifi's from Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Lance was living his best life last, week, last year, <laughs> this weekend. He was just like giving so many interviews like in French and he was... Yeah, he was peak Lance. Um, so I highly recommend doing Old Montreal. They have like the big Ferris wheel, if you've ever seen a picture. We didn't do the Ferris wheel because I don't like heights, but we like toured around the port and it was really cool. There's lots of designer shops as well. We got caught in the rain and had to buy an Uber for $95 back to our hotel. And uh. I almost died. But anyways, we were like, well, we're not gonna stand here in the rain. It wasn't letting up. So that was Friday. We did so much that day. We were exhausted by like... 9 30 and i think we were in bed by 10 like we just did so much and we wanted to be up and ready to go for the track the next day which is the big day i want to talk about if you aren't located near the track almost every hotel has a shuttle service to like take you to the metro and back or to like a drop-off place and back one of the only ways to get to the track because it's essentially on like a little island Mm -hmm. is by the metro So we had met this couple who was in our shuttle from our hotel and they were also from our hometown and it was, it actually worked out so perfectly and they spoke French and they told us that it was their second time going. And the first time that they went, they bought an entire weekend pass for the Metro and it was really only like 14 bucks a person. Whereas like a one-time ride was like four bucks or something. So So like buy the weekend pass, buy the weekend pass because at the end of the race, Everyone needs to get on that metro. And if you then have to stand in line to buy a ticket and then get onto the train, that is so much time that you're standing in lines. And you honestly, at that point, just want to go home because you've been at the track all day. So if you buy the weekend pass, you can honestly just scan it, go through, and you're fine. And we did that to use it once. And we were so happy we did that. Unfortunately, the day that we were there, it was raining. You only had passes to qualifying, correct? We only had passes to quali. Yes. uh, FP3 and quali. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we were there early, like way ahead of time for FP3 because we didn't know where our grandstand was. We didn't know where anything was. Um, so we were, we made sure to be super early. We, it was raining. We knew that. So we went to Walmart the morning of and we got umbrellas, but we didn't get ponchos. And honestly, I would get a poncho ahead of time because we ended up paying $15 per, per poncho at the track. And we got the last two at the merch stand we were at. There's crazy people everywhere in like, just like decked out in their gear. Like you see how these girls dress to, to F1 events. Like they are dressing for the paddock. We're talking about wags and like, and visitors. But there is, you, if you're sitting in a grandstand all day, you don't need to no. dress for the paddock. No, you absolutely not. I made a TikTok this week oh, saying yeah. how I would dress for the Monaco Grand Prix. And I made sure to make a disclaimer on it that it was paddock fashion only because grandstand seats you do not want to be dressed in anything nice first of all there's a bunch of stairs if you're not sitting like in row one so heels are heels are no you need to be wearing really good footwear because honestly our walk from the train to the track was also pretty long you have to cross like the whole bridge good footwear something that is comfy to actually wear all day um and everyone in the grandstand is wearing f1 merch like no one is wearing 
is dressed to the nines. If you're in a in the paddock club or you're in in the paddock itself, then you can dress like that. But honestly, everyone's wearing F1 merch. Emma will post a, a picture while I'm away of me in my Ferrari getup. The merch lines there are also super long, but they're worth it if you want track merch. So I got a t-shirt that was from Gilles Villeneuve. The name of the track. The name of the track. And then I got, actually I got two that were CGV. They were reasonably priced, like maybe like 30 bucks each. Cam got an F1 hat and he got a Montreal GP hat. We made it to our grandstand after a long time because merch lines were long. I also was starving and wanted a hot dog really bad. So I asked Cam to buy me a hot dog. This is ridiculous. And there was one package of ketchup left. So I'm like, oh, this hot dog was made for me. Like there's just, there's only one ketchup left. As we are walking to our seats, I didn't even take a bite yet. I dropped the entire hot dog on the stairs and in front of so many people and Cam was so mad at me. And not that he spent the money. He was just like, really? Like <laughs> you didn't even take a bite of it yet and it's everywhere. Which, yeah, that sucked, but he ended up buying me another one. So <laughs> I did so get a hot dog. Um, you can bring bags with your own snacks though. So I got that hot dog when we first got there, but we were there for hours and hours. And we had brought like granola bars and Cam had made himself like little sandwiches with like little croissants that we had bought. So like you could spend the money on the food there. The lines are really long. And for any like venue food, it's pretty expensive. Um, so we brought some of our own food, but we also did buy some there. I did not drink one sip of alcohol while I was there. First of all, I'm not really a big drinker, but second of all, it was wet and rainy and porter potties are nasty to me. Oh, God. They are disgusting to me. So I did not want to have one sip of alcohol or any drinks or anything because I did not want to have to go to the bathroom. So success successfully, I did not. Like my experience is a little bit skewed because it was a rainy race, but like I wouldn't wear white footwear because I did and I ruined a pair of white Converse. Uh, yeah, if you don't want to go to the bathroom, I wouldn't drink. <laughs> also, the, the grounds are all like gravel and mud. So you're going to get dirty. Like there was these huge puddles that we would have to like jump over and it was not fun. There's lots of fan zones within the grounds itself. So we went to like a monster energy fan zone and there was like a DJ and there's a bunch of people dancing. And honestly, it was really fun. There is FP3 and quality to watch on, on the Saturday. There are other things to do too. So you could spend a full day at the track and have fun, honestly. I will say the one thing that I didn't know at the time was that you can watch quality, but you will have no idea of the results. So a lot of people will watch on their phone yes, while the race is Which going is on. so counterintuitive because like, why am I here if I'm just watching the results on my phone? But honestly, there was um, an older gentleman in front of me with his son and they were watching Qualia on F1 TV and they were announcing to the rest of us in our section, like who this, these five people are out in, Q, in Q1, these five people are out in Q2. And it kind of was like weird because I could see the cars going by and you can see whose car it is by the number, but like you really don't know who's excelling during quali while you're there, if that makes sense. Checo did spin out in quali and I had no idea where on the track he was. Like, so the guy was announcing- Because you're so limited as to your viewing. Exactly. And he was like, oh yeah, he was in sector three. I'm like, well, what sector are we in? Like, you don't even know. I on honestly wish there was more of like, um, like a broadcast system at the track. And I understand the track is huge. So like, that would be like a lot, but I feel like they need to announce like, this is the final minute of, of Q1. And like, these are the drivers that are, that are at risk. I just felt like I didn't know what was going on. And I ended up just like watching over this guy's shoulder on his F1 TV instead of watching the cars go by me. This probably goes without saying, but if you're sensitive to noises, either don't go or bring headphones. It is extremely loud. Like, I, I, you can't hear the person next to you. Like, it is so loud. That was our day at the track. It was so much fun. Max took pole and Max won. It was a really good weekend for Lewis too. But honestly, like, you don't know, like I said at the time, like who's doing well and who's not. That night we also went to bed super early. My one thing that I was surprised about was the next day, cause we tried to get race tickets, but there really wasn't anything available to us. So we thought, well, we'll just go back down to St. Catharines and there was all those street parties and there was big screens set up. So we're like, we'll just go and we'll watch the race downtown. Like that'll be so much fun. And there wasn't anything? No. Really? You couldn't watch the race anywhere unless it was in a bar. The bars that we went to, that we tried to get into were full at the time. That's our fault. We didn't go early enough. But I thought that there would be more for the fans in Montreal that weren't at the race, if that makes sense. And there weren't anything. No. Hmm. 
I expected a full downtown screen set up for people to watch. And there wasn't anything like that. Like the parties they have here in the city for hockey games. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's just like, I didn't, I, I tried to do my research before we went downtown, but I just couldn't find anything. So I'm like, well, we'll just go and we'll see what we can find. I'm sure there'll be something. And there wasn't anything. And actually the street parties were like taken down by the Sunday morning. So huh. there was really nothing to do downtown that day. I actually, this is kind of ridiculous, but we didn't even get to watch the race till we watched it later on F1 TV at the hotel because we didn't like, there was nowhere there, we had to nowhere to watch, watch it. Damn. So that kind of sucked. Um, but honestly, all in all, my weekend was so much fun. I wouldn't have had it any other way. Like I, we, the, the mistakes we made were learning experiences. I don't have any other recommendations or anything except for, um, one food place and one restaurant, one, um, dessert place. Okay. We ate at this restaurant twice and it was called Le Belle et Le Boeuf, which is the beauty and the beef. It was outstanding. Like Montreal is known for their Montreal smoked meat and their poutine. And so I had a Montreal smoked meat poutine. Cam had a Montreal smoked meat sandwich and like they were out of this world. <laughs> There's also this dessert place called Mr. Puffs. Okay. It's like little round donuts. This might not just be in Montreal. They might be somewhere else. I was looking, I was trying to see if there was, if they lived anywhere else. They're like little round donuts and you can get different like sauces on them or different like, like filled with different things. I can't really explain. I'm not doing it justice. They were outstanding as well. La Belle et La Boeuf and... And Mr. Puffs. Mr. Puffs. Yeah. We okay. went to Mr. Puffs. Um, we got it for dessert one night and then we went there for breakfast the next day. <laughs> I love that. We, when we like something, we stick to it. That's so good. that was two things that we went to twice. And honestly, they were delicious. And that's what I have to say on Montreal. I did see lots of girls posting that they were just hanging out outside the Ritz-Carlton. And they didn't get to meet the drivers, but they got to see them. And I thought that was pretty cool. I would have, I would have gone with you. That is fan behavior experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly, I'm down for it for the most part. So that's what I'll be doing next time I go. Anyways, okay. that's my little Montreal recap slash, like, I don't know if you learned a damn thing from that, but that was my experience. I'm sure and people took some things away You can from take, it. yeah, take what you want <laughs> from it. Um, the flight home was really sad and they took my Nutella away at TSA. And that is all I have to say. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on now. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> I'm sure all of you were happy to hear Hannah's voice, so it wasn't just me talking for like a full hour. But anyway, that was Hannah's experience in Montreal, and we would have loved to be able to go this year, but again, Hannah's in Italy, so maybe next year. That's the plan. Who knows? I realized it like this morning that Hannah does the track stats, and we did not record track stats. So that's on that's on us, and I very much apologize, but I tried a little bit to get some information about the track, about the races, and I'm definitely more of a history person because I'm looking at these and I'm like, it's mostly just like history. So bear with me, and I'm sorry it's not Hannah's track stats, but I'm honestly, I'm doing my best here. Also, disclaimer, I don't speak French. This is a very French track. So if I pronounce stuff wrong, I'm very, very sorry. Anyway, the Canadian Grand Prix has been around since 1978. It was actually first called the Il Notre Dame circuit, but was renamed the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in 1982, following the tragic death of the Ferrari driver Gilles Villeneuve at that year's Belgian Grand Prix. He's actually the father of Jacques Villeneuve, who is a 1997 Formula One world champion and an Indy 500 winner. So that name is very, very well known in Formula One. So that track, again, was renamed in 1982, just in honor of him. Uh, Gilles Villeneuve was regarded as one of the finest drivers to never win the championship. Honestly, his stats are quite incredible. I do encourage you, if you have time, look into him and look into his son because they are a bit of a, a Canadian dynasty. And I just feel like we haven't seen that in a hot minute. Now this is, okay, this is where the history part comes in. There is a wall, the inside wall um, at the final chicane that's referred to as the wall of champions. And it actually used to have, maybe it still does, I don't actually know, but it had a, a slogan on it that said Bienvenue à Quebec, which, um, which means welcome to Quebec. But it's called the wall of champions. And that is because in 1999, three former world champions crashed into that wall at that turn and that name was born. So 96 uh, F1 champion Damon Hill crashed into it on lap 14 and then Michael Schumer crashed into that wall on lap 29 and then just five laps later Jacques Villeneuve became the third world champion to crash into that lap and that's how the wall of champions name came to be. Another interesting fact about that 1999 race so Mika Hakkinen was the driver who won but it ended behind a safety car and it was the first race that ever ended behind a safety car. Some other notable names of people that have crashed into that wall is a karting champion, Juan Pablo Montoya, 
And no, not a champion, but Carlos Sainz also crashed into that wall. And then Jensen Button and Sebastian Vettel as well have hit that wall. So yeah, it'll take you out. Will we see it take out Max this weekend? Probably not. But you know what? It's called the Wall of Champions for a reason. Who knows? On a more positive note, we actually saw Lewis Hamilton take his first career victory at the Canadian Grand Prix in 2007. That was his debut Formula One year as well with McLaren. Lewis Hamilton, though, was not the only driver who got his maiden win at the Canadian Grand Prix. Daniel Ricciardo got his very first win as well in 2014 at that circuit. And we cannot talk about the Canadian Grand Prix without talking about two iconic moments in motorsport history. First one being Jensen Button in 2011 when he went on to win that race. So this was maybe the craziest race in F1 history. It was delayed, first of all, because of the rain and the race itself went on to be a record four hours and four minutes long. And that is not allowed anymore. A race can only be max three hours long. And if they don't finish it, then they just dock points. But yeah, four hours, four minutes long, which um, that's, that's too much. So Jensen Button um, was actually running in P7 for, I would say, the first like nine laps of the race. And then he had a collision, went in for a pit stop, and then that dropped him back down to running in 12th. And then this is interesting. At lap 14, he had a drive-through penalty. We actually talked about it in our bonus episode. A drive-through penalty is when you go through the pits. You don't stop. It just slows you down because there's a certain speed limit you have to go when you go through the pit. So that's what he had, a drive-through penalty. And then by the time he left, he was running at and he was running in 14th. At lap 25, there was a red flag. He found himself with a restart starting at 10th. He went in for his third pit stop on lap 35. And when he came out, he was running in 15th. And then he crashed with Fernando Alonso on lap, I wanna say 37 or 38. And that put him in dead last. Mind you, there are 70 laps in this race. So that is about halfway done. And he finds himself at the very back of the grid. And what does he do? But work his way up because he doesn't really have any other choice except to keep fighting. You know, he went in for that pit stop after the crash and then he went in for a pit stop number five on lap 52. Five pit stops, that's a lot. That is, that's also a record breaking number of pit stops, I wanna say. And then in the final laps of the race, not sure how, but it was, he found himself racing and battling alongside Sebastian Vettel. And it was quite literally on the last lap of the race that Jensen Button won. He beat Vettel in a McLaren and he took victory at the Canadian Grand Prix after a record number of pit stops and finding himself dead last at one point. So that is insane. That's just absolutely insane. Okay, the second historically iconic moment at the Canadian Grand Prix was in 2019 with Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton. At lap 48, again, there's 70 laps. At lap 48, Vettel lost the back end of his Ferrari and he just went right through the grass at one of the turns. He rejoined right as Hamilton was coming around the turn and the Ferrari took its racing line. Mercedes had no choice but to back off into the outside and they came really, really close to touching. But Hamilton said over the radio, he just came onto the track so dangerously. And what happens with unsafe re-entry, we see it all the time, there's a penalty. And Sebastian Vettel was given a five second penalty for an unsafe re-entry onto the track after he went through the grass. And of course, Vettel only had a 2.5 second gap by the time he did finish the race in first. So he was, he lost that first place position and he had to hand over first place Lewis Hamilton. Obviously he did not hand it over without a fight. He's like, what am I supposed to do? Where was I supposed to go? I had grass in my wheels. And he was like, you can't control the car when you're in the grass. Like I, I did what I could do. And he was, he was obviously very, very upset. And when you finish a race, the podium winners, they're supposed to park their cars and then head to the interviews right away and then head to the cool down room. And Sebastian did not do that. He quite literally just skipped the interviews conducted by Martin Brundle and Hamilton and Charles, who was in third, went to the interviews, but Sebastian just like left. And that's, you're not supposed to do that as a driver. And everyone was also wondering if he was gonna show up for the podium ceremony. And he did, but he didn't do it quietly. He actually walked out of, I think it was the Mercedes garage. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing in that garage, but he walked out and instead of heading towards the podiums, he actually took a look at the uh, marker boards where it says first, second, and third that the cars are supposed to park in front of. And his car was parked in front of the second place one. He walked over, picked up the number two board from in front of his car, walked it over to the Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton, switched it with the first place and put the first place in front of his car. Oh my God, did the crowd go absolutely insane? Because what? What? Like, I, you don't, you don't see that. You don't, I like, it was petty. It was vengeful. It was funny. It was theatrical. And I love it. I loved every second of it. I wish I had watched it live, but you know what? It was, it was an iconic moment. And I don't know 
I don't know enough about that year or but enough about that race to give an opinion as to whether or not Sebastian Vettel did deserve that first place and if the five second penalty was rightfully given. So I would love to hear everyone else's opinions because again, I'm a new fan to the sport and I just like, I just, I think that moment in itself, him switching the first place and second place boards were, were really, it was, it was honestly iconic. And now we cannot talk about the Canadian Grand Prix without talking about my boy, Lance Stroll. Now Lance, unfortunately, has not done too hot here. Last year, he finished 10th after qualifying 18th. So it's not, not the end of the world. In 2019, he finished 9th after qualifying 18th. So again, not horrible. I have, I have faith that maybe this year will be different. Maybe he'll uh, do better than 9th and 10th. Honestly, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect for this weekend. Um, we saw Mercedes dominate in Spain last race with the upgrades. I know that Aston Martin is supposed to be bringing upgrades for this race. This circuit is consistent when it comes to producing great races. Like there's always overtaking. Close racing is almost always guaranteed. And yeah, I know it's really hard to get close with the cars that, you know, they have, but this is, this is a track for racing. We saw it in Spain, like Spain is a track for racing. And it's not a street circuit. It's not like a temporary circuit. This is for this is for racing, as stupid as that sounds. I think the last thing I want to mention about um, this weekend is it has less to do about the race itself, more to do with Lewis. We have been waiting for an announcement about his contract and him and Toto have been talking about it, like teasing it in the media, saying that negotiations are happening and they're in talks, but we haven't actually heard anything yet. And I don't know if we're gonna hear it this weekend or if they just keep pushing it back, but they both denied the Lewis to Ferrari rumors, but they haven't said anything else about Lewis's contract extension. So who knows what's going on? I doubt Mercedes is gonna wanna give up Lewis Hamilton, but it just seems strange that they are really, really holding off telling the world what the hell they're gonna do. So who knows? Honestly, again, who knows what to expect. I did ask Hannah if she had any predictions for this weekend and she sent me a photo of herself. It looked like she was on um, an island. No idea. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. Um, and I was like, love this for you. What do you like? What do you think is going to happen? And she just said Max Charles Fernando. So she's playing it safe this week for sure. I am also going to say Max wins. I'm going to say Lewis second. And just because I love him so much, I'm going to say Lance third. I think that I think that there's going to be upgrades and I think that Lance is going to make the most of them. I'm really hoping for a Lance podium, but I also do think Max will win and I don't expect to see Charles on the podium. I have not given up in him. I have given up with Ferrari. Oh, speaking of Ferrari, I did not get to watch the 24 Hours of Le Mans because I was stuck at an airport and or on planes because my flight got delayed and I had very little service or no Wi-Fi and I couldn't watch it. But I do know that one of the Ferrari teams won the 24 Hours of Le Mans and I know that Charles was there to watch that happen. And I just, I feel so bad for him because you know when you want to be happy for someone and, but you're also like very, very jealous and you're like, why couldn't that happen to me? I feel like that's what Charles was going through when he watched the Ferrari win the 24 Hours of Le Mans because he's probably just like, why the hell can't I win anything? Anyway, um, that's just my final thought, I think. I was very bummed that I was not able to watch it. I know a lot of our listeners did, but honestly, again, not my fault. Flight got delayed. I had no way of watching it. I really tried, but I just couldn't. I think that might be it though. That is our predictions for this week. That was my attempt at track stats. That was my CODA recap and Hannah's Montreal recap. We're actually just gonna end this episode off with a short interview that I was able to have with Italian F4 driver, Victoria Blocchina. So she is currently competing in the Italian F4 series and I had the opportunity to chat with her and it was, and she's 16 years old and she is trying to work her way through the Formula series. And honestly, she was such a delight to talk to. So it was a very short interview. We both had limited time, but we're just gonna end it there. If you were expecting a crush tracker this week, it is coming, but it will be posted on social media instead because I still have to figure it out. But again, as always, make sure you follow us on social media, tracktalk.pod on Instagram, and then tracktalkpod on TikTok. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. Honestly, we are blown away at the amount of support that we've gotten and we are just excited. I'm speaking we as if Hannah's with me. She's not. Um, just we are very excited for where Track Talk is going and hopefully for more opportunities to go places and speak to more people in motorsport as well in the future. So that being said, I will turn it over to the interview we had. Again, thank you so much for listening. So hi, my name is Emma. I am the host of or a co-host of Track Talk Pod. 
Um, my co-host Hannah unfortunately just had a quick emergency come up so she had to just excuse herself to the other room so if you don't mind it might just be me doing this interview today it's pleasure for me thank you um we just have just a few questions just as females who are venturing into the motorsport industry we love chatting with other females especially female drivers and we are honored to be able to talk to you and just learn a little bit about you and your history as a driver you started karting in 2018, correct? Yeah, a bit earlier. I started to drive on uh, small carts at 2017, but I didn't take any competitions. And in 2018, I started to drive some competitions in Russia. Okay, interesting. And so your first year in F4, that was in 2022, last year, correct? Yes, yes. And I read that you were part of the Girls on Track program. Can I ask, what was the most valuable thing you learned from that program? It was an interesting experience. Uh, I learned a lot from that. To connect with the team, to learn some English, because uh, before my English was not so good. So I tried to connect with the other girls, with the mechanics or the engineers. So it was my first experience with the engineers and coaches in Formula 4. Yeah, like I learned a lot to just to connect with the team. From just the research I've done into the Formula Series, I've heard that F4 is known as being an extremely competitive Formula Series. There's, you know, like 40 cars on the grid at some points. How are you feeling now in your second season compared to your first season? For me, the second season, it's even harder than the first one because now it's more people around. They're more close with the time lapse because in the previous year, I was just in, uh, I think, two seconds from the leader and I was still like 18 position. And now I'm just one second and I'm still in that position. So we get more closer than the previous year and it's more hard for me. So it was just a lot tighter in the field, essentially. I've heard that, or I heard that this year, there's the highest number of female participation since the start of F4 as a female in the series. How how do you feel about that? Are you excited to see more girls on the track? Of course, I'm happy to see more girls on the track. I can see that more girls are like it and still we can do some races with each other and i was uh, so upset when the girls in monza can or oh, sorry in misano can't race with me because it was really upset with their situation what happened in that can i ask the first girl is just flip in the first race mm. so she cannot drive the second and third race because he, she had some problems with her hand the second girl is crushed i think just in the start of the second race so she hurt her hands and she cannot drive the second and third race there's another race coming up at the end of the month in spa how are you feeling um for that are you you looking forward to it you raced there last year so how are you how are you preparing for that race at the end of the month so i'm very excited to race because i start to getting closer with the gap in the spa because it was a really long track so i had like two and something seconds in the previous year but now i have only one and a half i get it more closer and uh, it just motivates me. So I'm really excited to spa. Like now I try to do some simulations, some trainings, like look for videos for the data analysis and prepare more and more for this. So before you get into the race car, how is it that you prepare leading up to it? Like the day before or even that morning? How do you prepare as a driver physically or mentally? First, I think I prepare mentally because physically I train all the days, mm -hmm. even with the you know when it flies and arrives, I have to do some mini trainings at the start of the day. And about the mentally, I just arrived in the team. We spoke already about the cars balance. I don't know, like uh, the grip of the track, the track, what we had mistakes. And uh, we just prepare more for the race starts. 
Nice. Is there a track anywhere in the world that you dream to race on one day? Have you thought about that? I think it's Monaco. Okay, Monaco. Yeah, that would make sense. The pinnacle of motorsport. Have you have you ever watched a race in Monaco? Of course. Yeah. It's my favorite, I think. It's so tight there and it's so hard to drive, I think, and I just want to try there. Yeah, it would be it would put your definitely your skills to the test. It would be incredible to to see you drive. I think just to see a female drive on Monaco would be insane. Speaking of just looking forward to the future, what are your current goals that you have with motorsport, with Formula Four? Are you hoping to move up to Formula Three in the future? What are your goals just as a driver? So for me now, uh, the most important goal in this year to just uh, show what I have to show maximum of me. And next year, if we will have some money, sponsors, for sure, I will go to Formula 3. And if not, I will just, I think, test there and maybe do one more Formula 4 here. So I'm not sure about next year's, but my goal is to go just farther and farther, like Formula 3, Formula 2, and maybe there. Maybe Formula One, you know, it's possible. At least you, you know, you have your eyes set still on Formula Three. I think that would be so incredible just as someone who watches these, like these different motorsport series to, to see you, to be able to watch you grow from Formula Four to three. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. That's for sure. I'd love to see you um, improve and, and to get further in this. I am, I've definitely been keeping track of the Italian F4 series just because essentially you, you really are you and the other drivers you are race alongside with, you are the drivers of tomorrow. And you, even though you are still young, there's so much room for growth for you. And, you know, it's so it's, it's really exciting to see where you are now and to see hopefully where you are in the future. I just have one last question, just as a female in motorsport, what message do you have for young girls who may be scared or hesitant to pursue a future in motorsport? Do you have any words of encouragement for them? Anything you want to share? Of course, uh, I would say just don't give up. If you are scared of something, you just have to train more. If you haven't any power to drive the car, you have to train more. So it's only about you. It's only about your physical and mental power. So you have to be really harsh on it and just work more to have good results. Just keep pushing. Is That's pretty good advice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Those are, those are my only questions. I knew I had limited time with you. But thank you so much for taking some time out of your afternoon to talk with me i'm so sorry that hannah couldn't be here but thank you vika i wish you such good luck in spa hopefully can't wait to see you do big things this year thank you thank you so much too